Hello, West Tennessee, and welcome back to the Positive Living Podcast. I'm Katie McGill, Marketing Relations Coordinator for the Positive Living Group, and today I am joined once again by... Glenn Goff. Glenn Goff. So I'm super excited today to be talking to Glenn. One, because it's always great conversation, and two, because what we're going to talk about today, I've had some people ask me about specifically, and of course, I am not a mental health professional, so I cannot always answer their questions, Mm -hmm. which is why I do this podcast, so I can be like, you know what, we have a whole podcast episode about that, and the professionals will educate you on that and not me. So Glenn, I want to talk a little bit about, I just want to remind people about your specific practice and who you like to work with and what you like to do, so can you just remind people? Yes, I've been in the field almost 15 years. I've spent a lot of time with children and families in a crisis context before coming here to Positive Living Group. So it lends well to the topic today. Uh, I do quite a bit of marriage or couples therapy. And we're, I think, trying to build on the amount of family therapy we do um, but I, because of my orientation toward um, treating the entire family, especially with children, I don't think you can just take a child in isolation and really make the biggest difference for them, especially if it's behavior-wise, uh, some really negative symptoms without touching the entire family. So uh, I'm really steeped in that uh, mindset of dealing with uh, the individual and the context that they fit in, which is their uh, marital or committed relationships and their families. And um, so I bring that into the practice here at PLG by seeing as many couples as I can and families as I can, try to help them work through the things that are keeping them from living together in peace and harmony. Well, that's, I said, that's awesome. <laughs> what you're doing is awesome. Obviously, uh, not why you have to do it. That's not mm. awesome. But you know, it is what it is. And, and life is hard. And, you know, that's why we seek help. Um, because a lot of times, if if you and your significant other are going through, you know, issues within your relationship or your marriage, you're both seeing things from completely different sides of the coin, right? You're both seeing things most of the time from a completely different angle. And a lot of times you just need that third party kind of buffer, if you will, to say, hey, let's look at it from this angle, which changes both of your perspectives and can really help you come together and find a solution uh, to move forward, like Glenn said, in peace and harmony. So I also want to dive a little bit deeper into marriage. But before we do that, I also wanted to touch on you said that, you know, typically when you're working with a child, Mm -hmm. you will bring the parents in. Correct. And I think that that's so important because a lot of times if the parent has no idea what's going on with the child, how are they supposed to reinforce at home or, or watch for signs or watch for, you know, things happening. So, um, yeah, I just think it's so important for people to realize that, you know, there are so many factors in our life that have put us where we're at today. And, if you know there is a chance that if your child is going through some behavioral issues or mental concerns there's a chance that you know there could be something going on that they're not talking to you about because they're not comfortable and that doesn't make you a bad parent that doesn't make you, you know it could just mean your child is struggling and internalizing all of that and keeping it to themselves so 
reach out and find them some help. Encourage them. You know, if you don't want to talk to me, talk to Glenn. If you don't want to talk, you know, let's find somewhere where you're comfortable and start working through those concerns. A key part of that is that I value the parent's perspective. I also value that for a, a child or team client, uh, also value their confidentiality and their need to have privacy. And so those are the two things that I always make sure that child or youth client understands. I'm going to be talking to your parents. Yeah. Anything you tell me specifically in detail in this session is strictly between you and me because I want that person to be open to me. And I'm often successful if there's something the parent needs to know outside of things that I'm ethically and legally required to divulge, right. which are a threat to self, threat to others um, when it comes to suicide or homicide. Outside of that, it's often not far-fetched to convince that young person to disclose the things that their parent needs to know themselves or allow me as a professional to help facilitate that. And then that's where family that's where the rubber meets the road and family therapy with um, underage clients. Absolutely. Well, let's dive a little bit deeper into marriage. Yes. So I am still a newlywed, I guess you would say. I've only been married for two, going on two years now this October. Congratulations. Um, thank you. So we don't need to come see you yet. Um <laughs> But, you know, you never know down the road. Life likes to throw you curveballs every now and then. And, and you know, I, I laugh about it, not saying that it's funny when people go to marriage counseling, but it's a, re it's a real thing. And people, I want people to look at it for what it is. It's just getting help when you need it. Right. There should be no stigma. There should be no big dark cloud hanging over your head because you got to go to marriage counseling. You're, you are fighting to hold that together. So if anything, that is something you should be proud to say, I'm I'm trying to make this work, right? I'm I'm going to counseling with my um significant other and we're we're working through things. So I, I just I laugh because I want people to to realize it's just it's part of life and it's something that we should do if we need that help. So Glenn, I want to talk a little bit about why people might come see you for marriage counseling specifically because we might have some listeners out there saying you know, I don't need marriage counseling. We don't need marriage counseling. And then they may right. hear some of the reasons people come see you and think, oh, we're, we're struggling with that. And they may just be putting it off thinking, oh, well, everybody struggles with that. You know? Right. Well, I, I don't want to assume this doesn't need to be said, but every relationship's different. Absolutely. Every marriage is different. And each marriage is made up of two individuals who have their own quirks and preferences and flaws and uh, successes flaws, yeah. correct and um, I often if I don't say it in session my goal is at least internally is to help each of these individuals be a hundred percent in marriage you join you should be joining two complete people in that union right um, it's not 50 50 some right. people come in with that mindset of I'll do my part if you do your part. Well, you both have to come bring in your whole self to it. And um, so there's almost always an element of reconciliation we're trying to reach. Not always as serious as something like infidelity, but oftentimes uh, infidelity has been a part of the picture, uh, at least in the past. 
um, whether it's infidelity or something else, one of the biggest hurdles we're trying to overcome often is uh, hurdles of trust or a lack of trust. Yeah. And and then I think sort of the icing on top of that cake is communication. Absolutely. So and and I think you know you had just said it may not be you said it may not be something as big as infidelity, but I think that a lot of times what people don't realize is it's the little things That's that right. will add up and create a bigger issue. That's you right. know, you may not have you may have complete loyalty to one another, but if you're not communicating and you don't trust each other, that's right. I mean, and those things, if you if you let them go, and I think that's something that a lot of newlyweds are guilty of. Um, well, people in general, you mm-hmm. know, even if you're not married necessarily, right. a lot of times you'll you'll ignore those things because you're like, oh well, okay, well we're not communicating right now, but it'll get better. No, it won't. Right. <laughs> you know, if you're not communicating at the start of your marriage, right? More than likely, you're not going to fifty years down the road either, and then you've got fifty years of miscommunication and misunderstanding. That you've never worked through, you've never yeah. talked to anybody else about. So, it's not as frequent as I'd like, but sometimes we do have couples come in at the beginning of their marriage, wanting to make sure lay a foundation. Yeah, that's correct. The issue of infidelity, or the issue of uh, domestic abuse, or some of these, what might be thought of as more as larger issues, we need to, from my standpoint make sure that those have ceased if there's any attempt to create reconciliation. So there's steps to go through if you're a listener that's in one of those situations before you try to enter the same room as your spouse and begin to work to a point of reconciliation. But a good hallmark, if you're listening and wondering, do should my spouse and I seek marriage therapy or marriage counseling, is can I still give my spouse the benefit of the doubt? When we talk about trust, I always, I say it pretty frequently, say when someone says, well, I just can't trust him or I can't trust her. Well, you can, you just can't trust them to do the things you need or want them to do. So we build from the idea of what can you trust them to do? If you feel like your spouse is reliably unreliable, constantly trying to create space and not communicate, not be open, constantly trying to stay away from home or appearing to kind of shun the family. There's something there to work on. And if you say, wow, I can only trust my spouse for these things that I don't want, no matter how big or small, as you said, and I agree, small things build up. Yeah. You might want to seek out the help of a professional. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and a lot of times, you know, the things that you're seeing in that person, they're seeing things in you that you're unaware of as well. And that's with any relationship, not even a romantic relationship. That's with your friends. It's with your family. It's with, you know, anybody. So, so sometimes it just really is really nice just to take, take time to have that third person in the room and, and really talk about the things that you're not talking about at home. Because Mm -hmm. I think ultimately that's where it starts. So what we're, what we're talking about is communication um, and not sharing how you're feeling with the person you care about and have, you know, specifically in marriage, have committed your life to, you know, at that point. Well, let's dive in to family as a whole, especially, you know, parents and children, because I know that 
that's another thing that I feel like we would like to see more of at the Positive Living Group is right. the entire family unit coming together um, to seek positive change in their life. So let's talk a little bit about family therapy. Sure. In contrast to marriage therapy, family therapy may include the married or committed couple, but it would also include children or other members of the household or other extended family. In my experience, currently, how this most often happens is when we're seeing a young person, a child or a teenager, those clients are particularly vulnerable and have some common sources of distress with school and the stress of growing up. Uh, Oftentimes, uh, it may be a blended family or uh, a couple is trying to create a blended family or blend a family together. And in the course of looking at that individual client, I find it almost a necessity to bring the family in and at the very least have direct communication one-on-one with the parent, whether it's in a joint session or not. But what I find most fulfilling about that is when a young person has something they need to communicate and I can work with them to the point that they feel empowered to communicate that to their parent or guardian. And then I can help facilitate that. And so ultimately family therapy ends up with those people in the room together with the therapist, myself or someone else, trying to help them work through um, some of the similar issues, trust, communication, uh, trying to recover from some sense of uh, trauma. Um, And the trauma doesn't have to be, have been caused by someone within the family Mm -hmm. that's in the room, but trying to learn to cope with a loved one or a child that has a diagnosed mental illness or has experienced trauma or something like that and trying to make the new normal is uh, really important and family therapy helps that tremendously. Something that you said that really stuck out to me just then was how children are going through the stress of growing up. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is something that I've never heard before that makes complete sense, obviously. But when you speak to adults, we think... Am I considering myself an adult? I'm an adult, right, Glenn? <laughs> Sometimes I I'm like, am an I adult? an adult? <laughs> but my mother would not consider me an adult. I'm still <laughs> a baby to her. Mm-hmm. I'm still four years old. But we, when we look at kids, we think, what do you have to be stressed out about? You don't have a worry in the world. You're not right. paying any bills. You're not taking care of a family. You're not, you don't have to go to work. You don't have to, you know, all of these things. But I think it's really important for us as adults to remember that kids have just as much stress as we do. And even though they're not paying bills or working or things like that, they're going through things that we're not going through anymore that we have been through. But at some point, a lot of times you kind of slough off the stuff you experienced as a child because you step into adulthood and you're like, okay, that stuff doesn't matter anymore. I'm in a new chapter. Right. But I think it's so important for us to remember that kids go through so much stress, you know, school and especially the way a lot of times that our school system works with standardized testing and, you know, constantly measuring their achievement and, you know, categorizing them based on their intellectual ability in a lot of cases. That's, that's very stressful. And I think it's, I just thought that was very um, insightful and something that we should keep in mind as adults day to day. 
there's really no, the hope is that, I mean, we're meant to survive childhood. Right. <laughs> we're meant to grow up. And so many do that successfully, if you want to use that word. But if there are blocks in the road, whether it's uh, caused by some sort of trauma yeah. within the home, outside of the home, um, or there are a lot of kids, honestly, when you talk about the education system, and I know educators and schools do the best they can to serve every child, right. but some, their personalities, their learning style, if you want to call it that, it just doesn't mesh with that system in the way that typically is carried out. And we could do a different podcast on that. Right. Uh, but uh, if you don't somehow process that work through it, you become an adult yeah. that is hung up on those obstacles of childhood and it manifests in some way or another. Well, and you're basically starting off. That's another reason I'm just kind of like encouraging parents that if you see even the slightest, you know, if you see the slightest, for lack of a better term, hiccup in your mm-hmm. child's development, mentally, behaviorally, emotionally, reach out to someone who, you know, is trained and certified to to handle situations like that because children who don't seek mental and behavioral health become adults who don't seek mental and behavioral health help. Right. And I think that is a vicious cycle, you know, that you just continue on throughout the rest of your life and not dealing with, we all experience trauma. And I'm not saying trauma has to be physical abuse or emotional abuse, you know, but we all experience traumas in our life. And if you don't deal with those traumas, they just, they'll come back around, you know, and you'll have to face them. I have this example, and to bolster the point you had about the stress of childhood, just this weekend, my infant nephew on Sunday was sitting on my lap at my mother's house, and my son was playing with him, and he took his finger, and he was trying to get my nephew to follow his finger. An infant, he's less than a year old, stood, stared straight at my son's face, wouldn't follow the finger. But when he started moving his face, he, <laughs> he, yeah. he followed him. We have our brain is conditioned in those years to learn we take cues off of other people. Our parents. Mirroring. Pr- pr- yeah. Exactly right. And it's called actually mirror, mirror neurons in the brain. Yeah. And. So for so long, that's what that we learned to smile and laugh. And mm-hmm. when something's wrong and we see somebody expressing the negative emotion, that's where, uh, and we eventually learn when that's appropriate, you know, and things like that. But um, look at our kids, and I, it's almost cliche at this point, but kids buried in screens. It's not just because the latest tech's cool or... That's where all their friends are, although that's increasingly true. That's how so many of this generation interacts. But it's also a way to bury your head in the sand and escape. It's a distraction. And that's what I've always said. You know, even even as a young kid, I mean, I can remember being anxious, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I've always believed I've had, like, an anxiety disorder, right. you mm-hmm. know. Because as a young, young child, I can remember being anxious. But I, what was I really anxious about? I mean, you know. Yeah. Because I didn't, I was very fortunate to have a great childhood and, you know, I had very attentive, wonderful parents, but I can remember just being worried, you know, about things. And I I just remember I would turn on the TV to distract Mm -hmm. my brain. So if, if I'm thinking about whatever's on television, I'm not worried about the worry that's 
right. running around my head. So if there's if it's nearly impossible to get face to face time with your child or your teenager, and I'm not pathologizing anyone for because I'm guilty too. If, and a lot of times it's work, but a lot of times it's pleasure and right. mindlessness. Sure. But if there's not a real desire to interact with other humans, it's something to take note of yes. and to pay attention to and to take steps to try to get that interaction up because it's natural for us to interact. And what I worry about is the amount of people that normalize it because all the other kids are doing it. Right. So that's what makes me nervous. And so, you know, parents, we're, we're kind of shouting out to you again, not saying that, n- not chastising any parent for saying, here, play with this tablet for five minutes while I, while I do, you know, cause I, I mean, I don't have children personally, but I mean, I have several friends with children and I understand, I mean, I have a puppy and a lot of times I'll give him a bone, like just leave me alone for like five minutes. I have Mm -hmm. to work or do something, you know, it's the same kind of concept, right? right? Just play with this for five minutes. Give me a minute. And, but we do want you to realize that if your child, like Glenn said, is showing, you know, um, showing that they're not, that they're not wanting to interact with other people take note of that even if you think oh well all of all of their friends are are playing video games oh well all of their friends play the same video game so they're interacting each with each other via headset or via screen or whatever you know that's still not it's not necessarily they can't interact that way forever right and they eventually have to we all at some point just as humans want social interactions part of our makeup you know and so we just want you to remember to take note of that. And if you see something, you know, reach out to a professional and just, just to have a chat, just to have a chat with your child and, um, you know, make sure there's not something more, I guess, deeply rooted going on there. Yeah. To add to the conversation on family therapy, it's, it's not always parents with minor children. Yeah. I've helped a number of um, adult children who have difficulty in their relationships with their adult parents, whether they're in the same household or not. Uh, A lot of times it has to do with season of life issues Mm -hmm. and uh, coping with that. Um, Interestingly enough, a lot of times it's the child trying to evoke change in the parent, whether it's a change for their sake of their health or their living situation. And um, a lot of times just that genuine concern on both sides gets overshadowed by the arguing, the bickering, right. the differences uh, in opinions on some things that really need not be there. But a lot of that goes back years and years. And so that's tough work, but it does take the people that are involved actually being with each other so oftentimes. And so we welcome clients to come in with their loved ones and, let us know that's what your interest is in yeah. therapy and well, and let's change work is hard. That. Exactly. Change is hard, point blank, period. It doesn't matter what kind of change it is. Change is difficult. It's not always easy. There are some people who are easier at coping with change and some people who just aren't. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. Change is difficult, whether that's your parents aging, that's change. Whether mm-hmm. that's you aging, that's change. Right. Whether it's you just had a child, you just got married, you just moved, you Mm -hmm. just started a new job. All of these changes are stressful. That's right. And they can be less stressful with help. And we encourage you to reach out. And Glenn, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about today is 
when do you think people should seek help? Before it goes too far. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, before a relationship is irreconcilably, um, I don't like the word ruined, but that's what came to mind. I, I understand. Um, when the Before it's past the point of redemption. Correct. Or, yeah. Um, or reconciliation is what you said. And that's um, that's not the same for every relationship, but the um, stress builds up when you attribute the stress to your loved one, your family member, your spouse. Uh, it might be a good time to seek um, family or marriage therapy. Uh, any significant stress is positive or negative. It's all stress. And I like to, one of the things I like to say at the beginning, when especially with married couples for marriage therapy is there is two, there are two experts in the room and one trained observer <laughs> and I'll let you guess who's who, but it's often about if you think you need an extra set of eyes, a different perspective, yeah. then we can help you with that through marriage or family therapy. That's awesome. And, you know, I just also want to reiterate that the moment you think you might need help, it might be, you know, you're, you're already in it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you really need to seek help at that point is what That's I always right. think. That moment where you're like, oh, we might need help. You probably needed help before that moment, you know, and that, you know, that's what I always say. And and I also encourage people, if you're new to the Hub City, if you're new to Jackson or if you're new to West Tennessee, I know we've got people moving in for industry every day, people moving in for different jobs and things like that. You know, I also want you to think about moving, especially if you have children, if you're you know, you're uprooting your life in one place and planting those seeds in another. And that can be a very difficult change for teenagers and children as well, as well as you. Um, And so I would encourage those people to seek family therapy as well. I mean, even if it's, like I said, moving seems insignificant because people move, you know, Mm -hmm. people move every day, people go different places. But you also don't know the impact that it has on every member of your family, you know, and, and like Glenn said, everybody's different and everybody's going to respond differently, but just reach out to the positive living group and say, Hey, we just moved to town. I just want to make sure my kids are adjusting. They're, they're, you know, acclimating well, and we can get you in with someone to assess that situation. So there's no, you know, there's no situation too small is what I'm saying to seek help. Um, And I think that's important to remember. So if you are interested in marriage or family therapy, give us a call at the Positive Living Group, 731-736-4400. Or you can visit PositiveLivingGroup.com and there is a request an appointment button at the very top of the page. Glenn, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yes, and thank you. Me too. And thank you for sharing. I hope that this, I know that this will educate a lot of people in our area and Um, Yeah, I hope some people reach out. I hope you all have a great rest of your week.